a choice right now, right now, between fear and love. It's just a rock. Out of the dark night of ignorance and into the shining light of truth. Expounding reality. A population of citizens capable of critical thinking. We don't see things as they are, we see them as we are. There's a, a level of reality where everything dissolves into an ocean of energy. We empower our experience by insisting on our authenticity. That's very profound. Very profound. Expanding reality. Welcome to Expanding Reality. I am your host, Brandon Thomas. On this episode, Serena Faith Masterson. She was raised by a satanic cult and subjected from infancy uh, to covert mind control experiments by our U.S. government in the MK Ultra program, which resulted into her ending up with about 300, no, not about, exactly 327 different personalities that her savior, her angel, uh, who she calls mom, eventually Norma Delaney, actually helped her integrate and recover from. Guys, her story is fascinating. Uh, It's heartbreaking. Uh, There's some horrible things that she talks about that happened to her at infancy, so I just will kind of warn you guys, but we don't go really, really deep into satanic stuff. Actually, we don't talk about it at all for that reason, because it's way too traumatic. It's way too dark. But her story is fascinating. So uh, without any further ado, you guys, let's get to Serena Faith Masterson. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcoming to the show this very special episode. We have Serena Faith Masterson. How are you? I'm wonderful. It is so nice to sit down with you. We uh, have a mutual friend in Tanya uh, Castillo, and um, she reached out to me and told me about your story. Uh, We connected, and then you sent me your incredible book. So this is amazing. I could not put it down. Um, I even, just reading the intro, ran it out to my wife and said, read this now. And she did, and she was just like, oh my God, that's amazing. So I cannot wait to get into this with you. So uh, if you don't mind, for my audience that doesn't know too much about you, uh, which we are about to learn a lot about you, uh, just uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and then we'll get into your story. Well, before my birth, my parents contracted me to the MK Ultra program, which was a program created by the CIA. Its intent was to find a way to break a human and control them completely through the portal of their mind. Now, you might ask, why would my parents do something like this? They did it because my father was the head of a satanic cult and he had no value for life at all. And so he saw this as an opportunity to further extend the mind control that is done through the satanic cults. And so he was very happy to sign me up for the program. As a result of that, I had over 300 named unique personalities, vivid imagery that I, to this day, remember each name with how they looked. Um, It was a journey that went into my adulthood and has taken, including the psychiatric piece of it, over 35 years to heal. So it was a commitment beyond what most people can imagine a life that most people cannot even grasp pain beyond imagination 
but it was the brilliance of my soul that split and contained each experience, much like putting it into a baggie and putting it into the freezer so that I could recall it and take it out later. Every personality was like a Tupperware bin, its name, its character, its experience. And it allowed the mind to stay sane and the bodies to stay alive. And that was the motto of my soul. I will stay alive and sane no matter what. It's it's incredible because your story is fascinating. Now, we um, had spoken a little bit before we started recording here that we're not going to talk about the satanic element of this. There is a satanic cult element of this, but it's not necessary for your story. Just know audience that there is a dark deep part of this that we're not going to talk about on this because it does go so damn dark but you can imagine what a satanic cult and the u.s government's mind control program put together can do so what what i want to talk about though is how you transcended this your work with of course norma delaney um and how that worked out because you dedicated your whole book to her and i can see why so it's a massive part of your story i mean and the just everything about it. We'll get into it. So uh, talk to me about um, whenever. So tell us just a little bit about the what you experienced with the government part of your story, the MK Ultra part, if you don't mind. OK, so I can share with you that it was a combination of cult training and government training. The two were meshed so so completely that um, there was no separation. So it started when I was three days old, when they brought me home from the hospital. And my father laid me out in the grass that very first night after I was brought home and I had nothing on. And it was in April, so it was a bit chilly. Um, and I wasn't being touched nor held or fed or anything. And he stepped back to see what kind of personality I had. And so I screamed and cried and cried like any newborn baby does. And after a long time, the baby gave up. I gave up and he come over and he kicked the baby and stepped back and watch again. And this went on all night long. So that was in the beginnings of my training. It went on 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I wasn't fed. I wasn't held. I wasn't clothed. I was left in my crib by myself for hours and hours on end. When they would give me a baby bottle, they would let me take two or three gulps and then they would pull the bottle away. And what they were training me to do was to resist every experience in life. When I discovered that, Brandon, it made so much sense because I'd had issues with food. I had issues with sleep. I had issues with every single thing. Nothing was left to chance. Eating, sleeping, going to the bathroom, playing, running, nothing, crawling. I mean, when I discovered that they trained me at two and three months not to move, when I moved my arms or my little legs, they would slap them. It was amazing to me to realize the extent of the training I went through. Now, those memories that I just shared with you about moving my arms and legs, I didn't have those until I was 23 years in. Because the brilliance that led this healing process revealed things 
in a manner that allowed me to grasp very slowly what happened to me. Because dissociation is not something to the degree that I lived that people can grasp. Everyone knows what it's like to drive down the freeway. And you're just thinking about other things and all of a sudden, oh my God, I'm, I'm here at my exit. You know, that's dissociation. The level of dissociation I lived with was so profound that I didn't know that my hand belonged to me. I'm not exaggerating. I didn't know that this body, when I looked in the mirror, was mine. I know that that sounds outrageous, but it's true. The beauty of it was I was so dissociated that the impact of the brutality that I experienced was the volume of it, the intensity of it was turned down probably 50%. Saved my life, saved my sanity. Does that make sense? It does. And just it sickens me to hear because this is right up top in your book. Um, it's, it's right up top how you're how you were treated as a baby like that. And this is, this is the, the easy to tell version guys. I mean, this is the horrific stuff. We're, we're shielding you from a lot here. Uh, Serena's only going to tell you a little bit about that and that's it. it it's the yeah. way that, that babies are treated like that. It just sickens me to my core and hearing your story. And while I was reading it, same thing, I just got nauseous hearing what they subjected this poor little child to. Um, but the results of it, uh, how you came out of it is why this is so fantastic. But the journey along the way, uh, let's get to that. So let's talk about Norma Delaney, if you don't mind. So your okay. first day of meeting her, uh, which was the first day you met Garrett as well. But Norma is quoted as somebody that's loved you one breath at a time. And the patience on this woman and her husband. <laughs> I mean, the compassion and the patience from her. You know, you say... Garrett always honored her with this commitment she made to me. Patience. He didn't let me know, but there were many times, for instance, I've shared this with people. She would be sitting at her desk talking to me for the umpteenth time in one day. And she'd be explaining the same thing that she'd already explained probably 20, 30 times. And I'm not exaggerating because there were over 300 personalities and she'd hang up the phone and Garrett would go, Oh my God, Norma, how can you tell the same thing over and over? And she'd just look at him and she'd say, but Garrett, Fred was on the phone with me. He didn't, he didn't know. And he'd just shake his head, but he'd never let me know the frustration that he felt. You know, when I met Norma, back in Seattle, Washington in February, a month before I began to work with her. And I stood at the podium at the cryon event. I didn't care what people thought. And I, this person here was not there. Okay. The host personality called Sabrina was there. And she said, I am without hope. I have worked so hard to integrate. I'm a multiple personality. I lost my sons to foster care. I don't know what to do. I believe that there's something more than what the psychiatric community is offering me. And Lee Carroll smiled and he pointed to Norma who was sitting at the end of the dais. And he said, this woman I think can help you. 
And I looked at her and Brandon, it was like something went all the way through me because I knew her. You see, at that point, I didn't know that she and I had contracted before our births, along with Tanya and my birth mother, surprisingly, that each one would play their part to help me come out of this nightmare. So my birth mother's role was to keep me alive no matter what. And Norma, who, if I accidentally call her mom, is my mother in every sense of the word. She contracted to pull me out of the bowels of hell and help me come back. And Tanya was to finish what Norma could not finish at the very end. And so each one played their part. It's unbelievable. And as you go through your book, it's interesting because you do start calling your mom in here and she answers. Uh, And then, you know, she will ask to speak to specific personalities of yours for different instances. She even at one point wanted to speak to Godmother, but without your knowledge. And so there's there's wisdom being passed down and filtered through the personalities. Uh, The multiple personalities are fascinating to me for several reasons. Um, There's a book called The Holographic Universe by uh, David Talbot. Have you ever heard of that or read it? Okay, I will find a copy and send it to you because there is a fa- fascinating part about multiple personalities in there. And it, one of the things that stood out to me is how one personality will go in for surgery and another one will wake up in the middle of it because they uh, anesthesia doesn't work on them. No. This is fascinating <laughs> I've had that happen. I, I was in the hospital and they thought I had an appendicitis. And so they took me to the, the physical hospital because I was in a psychiatric hospital and they did an ultrasound and they go, oh yeah, there's your appendix. Yeah, looks like it's a problem. We're going to go get the doctor. And they got the doctor and they came back and they couldn't find the appendix on the on the sonogram. Okay, so your appendix vanished? Mm-hmm. They couldn't find it. You have no idea. Every single organ in my body I could control. If you went, If someone went like this, I switched. Somebody went like this, I switched. Every single organ in my body was controlled. So Norma knew that she had to sit very still. She could do really nothing but just blink and breathe with me. Because if she did too many physical motions, it would cause me to switch. So, and by switch, so the whole goal of this is integration. And this is something I want to touch on with you a little bit later on, but just to keep people in mind here that you are switching between personalities. Like a revolving door. Yes. Like a revolving, you're quoted in your book as saying this, like a revolving door with a bunch of different people coming out of it. I mean, 300 different personalities. It's, and that's the one. 327 actually. Exactly. There you, thank you. (laughs) 327. And those are the ones that you could identify. So let's say for instance, okay. So just tell us the first time that you met Norma and how many that you switched through just in that first interaction, because that was- Oh, I have no idea how many I switched through, but I went through, it was a revolving door because a lot of them wanted to come and see her. Daniel, who was 33, he's six foot two, blonde, curly hair, blue eyes, very compassionate, loving caretaker, protector in the system. He came out, there were multiple Jennifers that came out because my birth name was Jennifer. Um, Robbie came out. Now, Robbie is was um, a container for joy. 
he and Toby were joy, joy packages. And he adored Norma. So there were probably, I don't know, maybe probably 20 or 30 people that came out, Roberta, who was so resistant to being a multiple, who was one of the mothers. So there were many of them that came out and she just sat and she listened and she observed. You see, when you live in this core of your, your being, you don't need to figure things out. For the wisdom comes up from within you and you know naturally what to do, what to say. Someone didn't whisper to her, now make sure don't sit, don't move too much, just sit real still. She just knew intuitively, oh, I need to stay still with all of these children. You know, when Robbie had to take little Jennifer to the bathroom because Jennifer curled up in a ball because she was so afraid. What Robbie experienced was she took Jennifer's little hand. He took Jennifer's little hand and walked her to the bathroom. The reality is my 41-year-old body got up off the couch and walked to the bathroom. But that's not what I see. I see Robbie in the in Target, that memory that I share in the beginning of the book. I see Robbie running up and down the toy aisle. To this day, I do not see a physical woman's body running up and down the toy aisle saying, come see the toys, you guys. <laughs> this is how incredible the disassociation is. And so Robbie, for the audience, guys, is a four-year-old little boy that, that you were. That was part of your personality. And especially, yes, the story about when you're running up and down in the toy store uh, and whenever you met Garrett for the first time, when he walked in the door, your first interaction <laughs> And you said this, you know, 40-something-year-old woman runs up and runs over to him like a four-year-old boy because you're Robbie. It's And the fact that you picture these individuals as that, like they each, you physically change. This this has a lot to do with the and, way that... Um, not only physically change, but the energy of me changes so that Norma began to see each personality when they came into the body. She could see their physical characteristics that I had soul brilliance had created. So there were beasts, there was a beast, there were monsters, there were caretakers, there were men, there were women, there were little boys, there were little girls, there were Asians, there were black people, um, there were godmothers and angels and all types of, of personalities. So it wasn't just one type. Oh, I had a, a personality called Togglebolt because he was born as the body was going through extreme pain and he was staring at a Togglebolt. And that's how we were, that part of me was born. You know, and the fact that they've all got stories, they've all got origin stories, they've all got desires, food preferences, uh, music preferences, all of these things are fascinating. And how the mind can fragment like that, because because also you're so tapped into the value of the soul and soul contracts, and you have a real high consciousness view approach on this, which I think is part of your recovery story. I think it's part of the way that you knew when it's we- Absolutely. my It is my recovery story. Exactly, because your your answers that uh, Norma kept giving you is to go down, go within, go and ask your soul, and that's what even you say. All the wisdom comes from within. But whenever you look at the way that these personalities interacted together and how they were fragmented like that, do you think it's at all possible that you were channeling different entities because your body was just basically a physical vessel that was broken so badly? No. 
No, not demons, not entities. No, the the light energy that was around me, the Brotherhood of Light, Yeshua, Kuan Yin, all of them that were around me were very, very protective and they fed the soul. You see on the other side, they're not separate. They're not separate physical energy beings. They're all connected together. These beings all were a part of this contract of what I was choosing to do, to awaken from the game of fear in all of its entirety, for me to live every single experience that I had lived in every other lifetime for thousands and thousands of years in one lifetime. So no, these were all created from my soul. They were created from pieces of experience. And then those personalities grew into either small pieces where they were a blink in time. They held one memory, which was so bad. Some memories, there were 20 personalities born in one memory because it was so bad. Others like Robbie, Daniel, Charlotte, Roberta, they had full extended lives that they, you know, like Charlotte was a flirt. Veronica was a sexual being, you know, Toby was a little boy. He was three years old. So they were very much full fledged human beings all on their own. They didn't get, Robbie didn't get that he lived in a woman's body. When he met Garrett that first time, he said, I pee standing up too, <laughs> you know, right to Garrett and Garrett's so kind he goes oh okay <laughs> you know because you know they didn't get no one knew they lived all in one body that was that was outrageous it it is and it but again this is this is what's so fascinating about multiples is and but and not on, not only that but not everybody gets the kind of help that you got because when when Norma specifically, I mean, because you'd been through multiple doctors and they all just wanted to pill you up, said, yep, it's multiple. And you kept looking and that's how you found Norma. But the interesting part is after your first conversation with her that just sticks out in my mind in the book is whenever she answers you back with by channeling, who was it, Kuan Yin? Yeah. Yes, Kuan Yin. So she spoke the words, the awareness, the the wisdom of Kuan Yin. But as the work began to become more and more and more intense for her, she realized she had to become the embodiment of Kuan Yin. Yes. She no longer could just channel, which was a part of her contract, was to bring in the entire beingness of Kuan Yin. And this is Kuan Yin here. Right. So she is the um, goddess of compassion. She is here right now with Norma and Garrett and Yeshua and all of them. They're all here with us. So she became that living vessel. She no longer was Norma Delaney in that sense. She became the awakened being called Andra. So that was part of her purpose this lifetime too. It's fascinating. And the way that this is how you knew that you guys were going to be great together and how y'all knew that this is how this was going to work is because of her ability to look at things a little bit differently and be a little oh, bit. Yes. <laughs> Look outside the box, you know, um, 45, 45 minute session. Oh, we're done. You know, I mean, when I was in the hospital and I would see my doctor who was phenomenal, I loved him. He was phenomenal, but he was male, which was a problem. He had a beard, which was scary for a lot of the children parts of me. And all my children have beards now, all three of my sons. Um, 
But at that time, it was scary. And he'd see me for 45 minutes to 50 minutes. And then he'd say, okay, the session's done. Well, it was like opening up a wound and then saying, okay, well, I know you're bleeding, but I've got to go. Yeah. It didn't work. So when Norma started working with me, she'd say, we have all day. She purposely let me be with her all day because you see, I had never known what normalcy was. I didn't know what it was to live like she, she would say, Serena, I don't live like you. And I'd go, what? And she'd go, it's okay, sweetie. She'd call me sweetie. I didn't understand what she was talking about. But she'd let me experience what it was like to be with somebody like her. You know, Garrett would come home from work and I would watch him with her. And it was like, are they for real? You know, because I didn't trust anyone. Well, of course not. (laughs) Of course not. (laughs) Not even Norma in the beginning. Yeah, because I remember you were sitting in the corner. She asked you to sit down. You said, no, I'm good. And then you just sat down. It's just so interesting your first interaction with her with her is fascinating but let's move on so uh whenever you got out of the mk ultra program um what was that transition like do you remember it ending and then just kind of being tossed out to your own devices do i remember it then of course not of course not no i have slowly come to the awareness of how i got away from mk ultra the government Do you think that that slow process of remembering is on purpose or that you just have the strong will enough to unlock that? No. um, Again, I speak of the brilliance of this soul that has led me every step of the way. If this had been in control, let's, let's do it this way. I would have died. It would be too traumatic. It took a lot of oomph for me to be away, be able to leave the government. I was an adult And um, for me to take ownership of how I did that took a long time. You see, I was so victimized, so brutalized that all I saw myself was a victim. So I didn't realize, you know, people have said to me since my book came out last May, not this last May, but in 2020. Oh, wow. They'll say, Serena, when I talk to you, I feel such peace such compassion um whatever and i'm oh okay yeah uh uh-huh well it's taken a while for me to realize the master that i am the strength that i am the compassion that i am you see no one in this world could come to me and say i did this i am so awful i'm so rotten and i would look at them and say i understand through every cell of my being, the compassion for myself is so deep. The journey that it has taken to look at everything that I've done in this lifetime without stepping back, without blinking. And many times I've had to say to my soul, I cannot do this without you. You must. Fill me with this compassion, please. I feel such anger, such judgment towards myself. You know, and every time my soul would fill me with the compassion and Norma would say, drop below the judgment, Serena, breathe with me. 
Breathe with me, Serena. And as I breathed, sometimes it would take a half hour of me focusing on my hand, moving up and down on my belly, for me to come out of the chaos, the swirling of my mind was so intense, so nightmarish. You see, when I was working, working at the bank, when I started working then, I was still a full-blown multiple. And so I'd have Robbie over here, tell him this, say this, hey, you know, and in the book, I, I share, you know, that man that comes in and he's got the huge eyebrows that are maybe an inch, you know, and how the little child comes up and goes, wow, you've got the coolest eyebrows I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. and, you know, going, oh, my God. And the man laughing and laughing and me knowing full well some little person has come out to share. Yeah. Like an accidental burp or something. Like you, uh-huh. Yeah. 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 So, <laughs> so balancing that and then more and more and more and more coming into my own as one person and then having my book come out and the world. I mean, here I live in this small town and people would come into the bank and they would put their arms around me and sob mm-hmm. and say, Oh my God, Serena, your book, it's touched me so deeply. Well, it has, and it, it has me as well. So I can completely understand. So of course, guys, this is a point where I tell you that all the ways, of course, to find her, her website and her book will be linked in the show notes. Check this damn thing out. I know I recommend a lot of books for you guys, but damn, I mean, your story is just so fascinating and so interesting. And I've never heard of a story written this way from the perspective of multiples, because like I said, you will switch throughout and your dialogue switches throughout the way that the characters speak or the personalities rather speak. Apologies. Uh, And you can tell a little bit through the book, I could tell when you started writing a sentence or I would read what you were quoting yourself as before you got to the said whoever said Robbie, I knew it was Robbie. You can start to pick up on these personalities as you write about them. It's a brilliantly written book. I mean, you did a wonderful job on this. So not only this is the story fascinating, but you conveyed it in a fascinating way because it's a lot of dialogue. It's a lot of back and forth between you and Norma and you, well, all of you. It's in storybook fashion, which was not a plan from here. So in 2007, I started feeling this I need to write my story. Well, I didn't know that that was coming from my soul, these gentle nudges, because you see, I was barfing the memories. These parts of me were telling the memories, but there was no connection of, oh, this is my life. This happened to me. I swear to you, I had no idea this was my life. So in 2007, my twins bought me a computer And I would sit down at the keyboard and I would close my eyes and I would start typing. No idea what I was typing. Then I would stop and I would read it. And then I would read it to Norma and I'd say, is this true? Is this really true? And she'd go, yes, Serena. So-and-so-and-so-and-so-and-so-and-so shared me there what happened. Because many times multiple personalities, multiple aspects, because we call them, I call them aspects by the end of the book because they were all aspects of me. So they all would share their piece of the memory. And it was so helpful to me because I started to get that this was my life. So my soul didn't tell me that 
that we were writing the book for me because then it would have not meant anything. I wouldn't have cared because you see, I didn't have any self-love. So my soul said, we're going to do this so other people can read about your journey and it will help them. Oh, okay. That's a good reason. Just like I wanted to integrate for those first few years to get my boys back. It was not to integrate to help me. There was no connection to that. So my soul has always provided the excuse, the passion point for integration or self-love. But every time it's, you know, come to be to help me, to love me, you know. Yeah. Um, so tell me about your weekend with the boys, uh, that chapter four, that first weekend. Um, watching my sons, oh, I had so many of that, so many of those weekends. But your your oh. quote in this one specifically was something that just really, really resonated with me on this, and it says, uh, "Weekend with the boys." So watching my sons, I had failed them so much. Yeah. You didn't, though. I mean, it's but oh, this I is what so it, now. I know. You know. But it, but it broke then, my heart to read that because the the journey that you'd already been on by that point, I mean, and we're talking chapter four here, the journey you'd already been on to that point, but then just saying, you know, that you'd felt responsible for failing them. Uh, just take us, take us through that, please. So there were multiple mothers, which you discover later in the books, but the main mothers knew that they were not emotionally available. They knew something was missing. They knew that that my three boys were very upset, traumatized by my multiplicity, and there was nothing that I could do to fix it. So those mothers always felt like they were in lack, they were guilty, they didn't do enough. And when you read my book later on, you begin to understand, oh, no wonder, all of the personalities that we're presenting as adults really weren't adults. They were all three years old. Now that's hard for a, a normal person like yourself to grasp. But if a person is, is being brutalized every single day, day in and day out, there is no energy coming into the body. And I wanted to put this when I talked about the baby, because this was a very key element of learning for me that most people don't know. When a baby is born and they cry and they inhale, they bring into the body the soul energy. They bring the soul energy into the body with every breath that they take. They, the soul is not in the body with the baby when the baby is being formed because that would cause um, a battle between two energies, it would be too difficult on the mother carrying the baby. So the baby is created, it's got the aliveness, but the soul energy waits until the baby is born. And so through the breath, the baby comes in through being touched and cooed at and fed. And all of those things, the baby feels and breathes and says yes to life, normal, natural. But when a baby is brutalized and a baby isn't fed or touched or held or clothed and they're left alone, they usually die. But that was not our journey. So normal babies have this soul energy that continues to come into their body as they get bigger and bigger and bigger. But the soul never can fully come into the body 
You see, it's the soul having a physical experience. And humans forget that. Humans think, I'm, a hu- I'm it. Oh, no, you're not. This is it. That's the beauty of it. This is not who we are, Brandon. To, for me to get that, it took a long, long, long time. But it was through the breath that I began to connect. Oh, I'm something more than all this craziness in my mind. So when I had that weekend with the boys that I put in the book, first of all, it's constant switching. The mothers are rotating in and out, trying to figure out, well, what do I do in this moment? What do I do in this moment? And the boys knew, you know what? Mom's not there for us. So let's push at her and see if she can't create safe boundaries for us. Now, all kids do that. They believe it or not, children like being told no. Yeah. They may not tell you, but they like it. Perfect example. My mom, Norma, bought me a wand for parts of me. And they love to put the wand in their mouth. And Norma would pull it out of the mouth and say, no, you cannot put the wand in your mouth because it had glitter all over it. And she said, if you put it in your mouth again, I'm going to take it away. Sure enough, the little girl put the wand in her mouth and Norma took it away and never gave it back to her. But instead of, I mean, it made her angry, but there was also this, oh, it's safe. I'm safe. Somebody's taking care of me. Now, see, my boys didn't have that. My boys didn't know that they were safe. So they kept pushing at me. And see, it took years for me to understand that. So I was juggling trying to take care of them. And so we went to the movies, you know, we went out to dinner, which was crazy. It was always like Bedlam. That's why I said Bedlam herself came to the restaurant. Because it was always like utter chaos. So... No, I didn't speak to my son, Tim, about his, you know, his schoolwork. I'd completely forgot. And so the mind, which was trained to say, you never do it good enough, always was saying, you don't do it good enough. So that's why in that story, it was like, I don't do good enough. It was my editor who said, do you realize you were there for them? You love them? And I would say, yeah, but. She said, but you loved them. You were a good mother. I mean, with the circumstances. Today I know that. Yeah, yeah, of course. It just it just hit me. I mean, because that's a mom, you know? And you had eight mothers later on that we find out um, that were interacting with your children, with you, with Norma, with everybody. Uh, and it's just interesting how these bifurcations of personalities all played their role at different times. But they knew, well... They, they popped up when they felt needed. Uh, and then, you know, sometimes inappropriate eyebrows, uh, for instance, but uh, still not, not really harmful in that way. So whenever, let, just walk us through, if you don't mind, a few of these switches that happened. I'm curious about like if you were eating a food that one of the personalities didn't like and then you switched in the middle of it. Or if you were watching a movie that one of the personalities didn't like and switched in the middle of it and then you had to change it. Like have you ever completed a full movie or do you have to keep you Oh, know? you know that's so I that's so fun for you to ask. You know, I lived in this little house for 7 years without contact with anyone but Norma. So I watched a lot of movies, a lot of TV. 
And in the last year, I've been watching movies that I know that I had watched, but I had no memory of them, no memory of them at all. Or I experienced them totally different than I did then. Or, you know, for instance, in the book, because I was starved, each child was so uniquely themselves. So when Ro- when Norma was feeding Robbie a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and then uh, Priscilla came and she wanted a peanut butter je- and jelly sandwich, just like Robbie, you know, and then the next child came and the next child came and Norma knew, okay, I got to stop feeding all these kids the half of a sandwich because there wasn't connection to the belly. There wasn't connection to being full. I mean, this is, I'm not exaggerating. When I first started working with Norma, she had to lay down some groundwork. She said, first of all, I want you to start eating breakfast. And I go, "Yes." well, no, I don't like to eat until two or three in the afternoon. She goes, well, that's not acceptable. Your body needs something in the morning. And I'm like, okay. You know, and I would do what she said. The, The amazing thing is I was always honest with her. I always told on myself, And I followed what she said. She goes, I want you to start taking baths every day. I want you to start to touch your body and feel yourself in the water. I want you to breathe because you're breathing backwards. When you go to sleep at night, try to do this, you know, because I hadn't slept my entire life. I was always on guard. I literally had aspects of me always watching. That's been one of the hardest things to, to integrate and heal. Layers of that. So, you know, she would teach me these things, but, you know, eating was so difficult. I mean, she said that children would pick up the fork upside down and the food would fall off and they wouldn't understand why. The trauma around food was so extreme, Brandon. So extreme. I mean, and then it, it makes you think of then, you know, whenever you, so whenever you looked in a mirror, did, was it you that you saw or was it different people every time? No, it wasn't. There was no me. <laughs> right. I mean, the you that we see before but, us. Yeah, but no, people saw them. They all saw themselves. So did they your outfit, did your outfits oh, yeah. change to reflect that? So this is what, so I guess. Yeah, I, I, have, I showed one of my friends a picture of Robbie in the hospital with his Easter basket and he's grinning. And she said, oh, my God, you can see the little boy. I, I can see him in your in your face and everything. And I said, oh, yeah. And Robbie used to, I could not put in that he had a lisp. He couldn't pronounce W's or R's. He said, my name's Wob, my name's Wobby. Yes. And so my editor said, you cannot write like this. It's too confusing for anybody to read. So we, I had to change how he spoke because he spoke backwards and you know, he had real, real issues with speaking and he'd hold his arm like this when he'd talk, you know, and um, they all had such mannerisms and very, when the beast would come, the energy, because he was well over seven feet, the energy in the whole body would become very extended. Yeah. And everything down to like your handwriting. So do you write with both hands? You have some personalities that write with the right hand, some that write with the left. Um, Mostly the right hand, but my writing would change. Yeah. Yeah. Your style and everything. Right. And even syntax and all that, but just even calligraphy wise, like you're 
the way that the words look. It, oh yeah, I have I have letters I have letters from my mother, as she's written to the different parts of me. She's called them different names because she knew that I was a multiple personality, and I have I have drawings and letters and notes from all these different parts. I have journals going all the way back to 92. That's how I discovered all these parts of me is because I went through all in the book. I say it's like a huge jigsaw puzzle that I'm trying to put the pieces together. And so while I was living in this house by myself, I collected all the journals and I went through every journal and wrote down every single name because I listened to every single tape recording with every doctor and therapist and with Norma, because I didn't remember what these parts were telling all these doctors and therapists and Norma. I didn't remember. So if, if you don't mind, um, just run us down, run us down a timeline. And then I want to talk about your integration, if you don't mind. So just start us off and then major points along the way. Uh, when you left MK Ultra, when you had your boys, when you met Norma, if you don't mind, just run us through a quick one. So I'm not going to tell you at specific age when I left the cult or MK Ultra. Yes, yes. But um, so when I was five, my father, my birth father left my mother so the first five years of my life were constant 24 hours, seven days a week training. When my father left, that aspect became a bit easier. I was, my father, my mother still took me to the government, still my father took me to the cult, but there was a shift. Then um, until I was, I got married when I was 25, I had my children. I had left the government and the cult when I was an adult. And my children were, let's see, I went into the hospital the day after my twins' 12th birthday. I hung on until their 12th birthday. My youngest son was, was 10. And instead of it being a 28-day program, it turned into eight months. And then I was in the hospital in and out for the next three and a half, four years. I met Norma when the body was 41 years old in, in February of 1996. And on March 29th was the first time I began. I met her and I started working with her. So we lived in Southern California, she in San Diego, me in Los Angeles. And about... 96, five years into the work, she and Garrett moved to Colorado and they packed up my house and they took me with them. This was an interesting part in the book as well. Uh, whenever she told you, hey, we're moving to Colorado and you lose it and you start running for the door and she grabs your shirt and she says, no, 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 you're coming with us. And this was a, a great part because right then I was like, oh, no, they're going to leave. You know, you're so invested in this, right? Oh, Brandon, I have to tell you, this memory is so vivid, so vivid, because she always tried to introduce change very gently. <laughs> right. <laughs> gently. And a lot and, of times, too, right? She had to oh, say my it God. Yeah. And so, you know, she she was moving around the room and saying, so if I move here, are you okay? And if I move here, are you okay? You know, when I move the furniture, how you upset you get? And 
And I was starting to get mad at her, like, what the hell are you getting that? Just blurted out. And so finally she says, we're moving to, and she says the town that we're moving to. And I go, oh, where is that in, in San Diego? And she goes, it's in Colorado. And that fast, I switched and I was to the door. Now you got to imagine, she was three inches shorter than me. She had a teeny tiny bone structure. I have a huge bone structure. My soul purposely made my physical bones very dense so that I could live intentionally. My feet are size 11s so that I would not die. So, and she grabbed me by the collar and she pulled me back and she held me. But see, she was in her body. I wasn't in my body. So she was much stronger than me. And she pulled me back to the couch and I, <laughs> and all the parts are switching in and out. She goes, we're taking me, I'm taking you with me. I'm taking you with me. And she had to repeat it over and over and sobbing. And she goes, we're taking you with us. Yeah. <sighs> I mean, just her commitment. You know, and, and even Garrett, he was okay with it. You know, he said, of course, well, she, he understood her commitment to you. And so of course you all moved together. I mean, it's fascinating. And then, so from your move and you spent time doing work there and then started to integrate with jobs. I mean, this is something I want to point out to everybody out here. You can't just go, you know, work a normal job and be this way. And so this part of it, this transition for you was very, very tough. Even going from, I think what Safeway was your first job <laughs> just to kind of. Yes. For two months, I baked cookies and it was so gratifying for me to discover, oh, look, they don't know I'm a multiple personality. Oh, look, I can project a, a seemingly front of normalcy. And that gave me some confidence so that I could then begin to look for another job, let go of. I couldn't stand the monotony of it. It was so, oh, you know, I, baking cookies to me was really fun, but baking cookies, no, it's taking them out of a box frozen, laying them on a cookie sheet and then, you know, so, but it was a perfect stepping stone for me to graduate into working at a bank, you know? Uh, and this is something I also want to point out. I know that we're not going to spend much time on the, you call the training, but torture. I mean, that's, it was torture. So from your father's satanic perspective, of course it was training, but of, to everybody else, it was torture. You went through a horrible experience, but I know, and you've got at least the wisdom and the wherewithal to know that it was your soul's contract. Now, whether this is accurate or not, it's still what anchored you. And I want to get into the soul contract stuff here in a minute, because I'm very curious about that part of this. Um, but but to keep in mind for everybody out here that you only are the way that you are and had all of these issues because you were tortured into fragmenting so far. I mean, this is a tactic that MK Ultra, the U.S. government, these satanic cults, that they use this stuff. And it is a very nefarious, very real thing, but they know what they're doing and they know that the body doesn't have a soul at that early part, so it fragments it into as many parts as it can and then just calls on those identities as they're useful for whatever the government or this cult wants you to do. It, it is one of the most horrifying things that has happened on this planet. I don't think it's over yet. I mean, what they say that it ended in 73, right? Uh, in Caltrip, uh, there's no way uh, in hell. Okay. So, so people that don't want to accept that there is an evil, a darkness in this planet, they'll push it away. Mm -hmm. But there is. And every government looks to gain control, just like our own minds wants to control us, 
wants us to keep things organized, do this, do that, because I've got to stay in control, whatever their game is. Every human being has their own pattern, their own makeup of what their mind and their game is. But we all have this mass consciousness of I'm not good enough. I could have done better. I should do it. I I need to hurry. What if, you know, whatever. And so that mind mass consciousness is throughout the planet. And so governments seek to control human beings. The coronavirus is a perfect example. It is a global intent to control mankind. You see, I know I'm immune. I, I have known so clearly I will never have the coronavirus. I will not be a carrier. It is not something I am concerned with. But see, every human being can have that level of consciousness. But it's a choice to awaken from sleep. This is sleep. I was a living robot. Everyone is to some extent. I do not say that to insult anyone. But when you have been traumatized in your life, and everyone has been, Brandon, this is what I need to stress. Everyone has wounded parts. Everyone has aspects waiting. Everyone has a three-year-old part of them that happened that was hurt, that when they choose to pay attention to the overall picture of their life, they can bring that wounded part of them home. The distinction is mine were all named and all had their own lives, but we all have these aspects. So this darkness, this MK Ultra, was just one program. No, I do not believe it's over. Of course not. Of course not. No. Um, okay. And this is a question I had for you. So I want to know, because it is trauma-based, the fractures in personalities, uh, especially that you that you occurred because your trauma was so intense. I, I refuse to call it training anymore. Your trauma and torture was so intense. I, do you think at some level we are all multiples and that we all have little Tupperware pieces of people in there and it's just in some way, this is, this is the question I had. Okay. So when you say to yourself, God, I really want to do it, but there's a part of me that's really afraid. That's multiple. When a person is fully awakened, which Tanya Castillo is, which is what I am choosing to become, fully awakened. That means that the soul and the human are one. They are the divinity of themselves in physical form. Since the time I was five years old, I have known that I wanted to be all that I am in human form. Something that seemed very disconnected to me, but was just like I knew I was born to my mother and father on purpose. I chose them. Why? I had no clue, but I chose them. So this brokenness that the doctors will say, oh, this person's broken, psychologically wounded, whatever. We all have aspects. If we turn inward toward our soul, whatever you want to call it, this more of who we are, and you say, God Jesus, Lord, soul, whatever. I want to heal. Lead me. Show me. I don't know what to do. That's what I kept doing long before I met Norma. Long before I met her. 
The first place I went was Alcoholics Anonymous when I was 19 years old. That was my first step into truth, into healing. So I always was asking, show me what to do. Something's wrong. Something's amiss. But you see, people have to have that hunger, that that thing within them that says, you know, I know that life is this way, but I feel like something's missing for me. Or I feel an emptiness within me. Those are all callings from within. You're missing the more. You see, we as little people, we come into this world just filled with this boundless aliveness and joy. And I'm talking about normal people that weren't didn't go through what I did. And because we come into mothers and fathers who came into parents from them, we're all told, don't act that way. Don't say that. You know, when little people, they go up to a big fat person, they go, wow, you're really fat. Mm -hmm. And the mother goes, oh my God, don't say that. You know, the child doesn't have judgment about it. They're just saying, wow, you're a really big person. Or they'll go up to somebody who's in a wheelchair. Hey, how did you lose your leg? Yeah, it's like this genuine inquisitiveness because it's child. Yeah. I mean, it's childlike. So, and then the mother goes, oh my God, don't say that. And that little part of them pulls back. And when they go in fear, that's an aspect of themselves that's just created in that very moment. Isn't that brilliant? It, it's fascinating. But I mean, also the sense of self-identity, because now now this calls into question, you know, um, spirit guides, inner voices, intuition, uh, your soul speaking to you, a, a demonic entity speaking to you. I mean, and then to be able to realize the difference or to delineate from everything. But but back to that, I mean, the, the sense of identity is fascinating to me because why I was asking if we're all multiples, because, of, of course, any trauma that happens if something crazy happens at a park when you're a kid and you accidentally a snake bites you, but it's even if it's a little grass snake, you're terrified of snakes. And that part of you comes up every time a snake is around or you see even a picture. I know people will see pictures of snakes and lose it because of something that happened before they yes. can cognitively yes. remember it. Yes, Brandon. But also the integration of these. So you can also so even that moment in time. This is what they call PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. So I had it to the extreme, okay? So that moment in time is here. And every time the person sees the picture of the snake, they go, oh, this gets triggered. Yes. This memory gets triggered. This is a liveness of energy. So we are all energy. And I know this is going to be hard for most people to grasp. But when a person goes to a movie and they're intentionally wanting to see something scary on the screen and they create that fearful experience, they are doing that intentionally, but they create that energy package that sits there and walks with them wherever they go. So here's this little person who's had this snake bite when they're three in the park. And until they can intentionally be with that moment in time in the stillness. Now, this is the key, not in the trauma. And this is what Norma would say to me over and over again, rub your legs, rub the couch, look around the room. You are not the trauma. It's not happening now. And I would go, oh God, yes, it is. Yes, it is. And she'd go, no, Serena, it's not, sweetie. It's happened then. 
years for me to get that. But as I began to experience this powerful breath, and Brandon, this is the key, is this soul breath. It is the commitment of the human to say, I choose to awaken this breath through the nose and out through the nose with the belly breathing. I choose to awaken soul and that stillness that says, here I am, three-year-old child. I know you were afraid. That snake was scary. You hold that part of you in compassion. Come home now. Come home now. And you see, when I would have to integrate a part of me that it had done something pretty scary, pretty gruesome. And if I had any wit of judgment, that part couldn't integrate. Not until the compassion was in me. Not until I loved me so much that there was not one drop of judgment, then that part could come home. Whenever you talk about PTSD, now I'm going to forever associate it with post-traumatic split disorder because it does feel like that you split off or that a piece of you is encapsulated in that moment. Now, what's interesting about this is this ties together um, shadow work that they talk about because those little bits of you are basically little parts, pockets of shadow that you need to deal with to awaken and integrate because it is. It's a no judgment. This happens through the breath, which is brilliant. That's one of the mechanisms. Another one, this integrates as well with the ayahuasca type experience where the medicine, the plant medicine goes in and digs up all of that stuff for you. As Peter Gorman says, you know, it takes about five years worth of psychotherapy and condenses it down to about five hours. That's our method of doing it. But there are many methods of doing this. And I think it's fascinating that we all kind of splinter yeah, off. I could never have done that. That would have killed me. See, right. See, that's not from the brilliance of soul wisdom through compassion. No one, you see, I was told, and this is not said from ego, I was told that the work that Norm and I did cracked the veil on man's unconsciousness it would never ever go back to what it had been before we did this work so no one will have to go through the level of trauma that i had their healing can be faster now i can integrate multiple memories in a breath i don't have to go through what i did years ago so I believe that everyone is brought through their brilliance, their wisdom to their mode of healing. Like you're talking about this man. I couldn't have done that. It would have killed me Yes, because it was too abrupt. Um, I know that each one of us is led for our unique specific journey. There are many flavors of healing on this planet. That's the miracle. Yes. That's, yes. That's the gift. But, you know, I, you know, I watched the movie Sybil many times. And at the end of the movie, you see her sitting in the park with her doctor, who she, that woman became her mother in a way. And I was very aware that she was still almost empty. That, yes, she had integrated, but to a point, her body was still hollow. She was lacking of the joyousness, the aliveness that I have within me. That is the piece that is so crucial for healing. I believe psychotherapy can only take you so far. It's not to, to insult. I would have died without all the doctors and therapists that I had. Each one of them 
was an Eskimo leading me through the nightmare of my life until I met Norma. Each one helped me put pieces together. But if you don't have the soul ingredient, this essence of who you are, this aliveness as a part of your healing, you're always still out of balance. Does that make sense? It absolutely does. And the equivalent of you finding Norma is the equivalent of, or any other doctor that you went to before her, is the equivalent of somebody asking a harbor seal to work out the telemetry data on the moon landing. They just weren't a good fit. And it was so juxtaposed that there was no way you were going to get any results. And you tried that route. But when you finally found Norma, that was your your missing piece. I mean, what's ironic, you needed one more personality uh, to really uh, assemble them all and to figure this out. So talk to us about integration. Uh, what is it like for you now? When is the last time that you, that somebody else stepped in and took the wheel? Oh, quite a while, years. So um, probably three years ago, four years ago, um, there's always been flavors of aspect, not personalities anymore, okay? But I've had to continue to resolve and look at memory because part of my the beauty of my integration is my soul never said to norma i okay it's going to take about 25 years to do this so uh buckle up your boots and uh hang on no they all gently said breath at a time yeah yeah so I was working with Tanya on August 29th and she said, now it's time. I want you, cause I paid for this class with her and no one else paid for it. So we got the whole thing together. She says, I want you to speak your timeline through with complete fluidity. Now the work that I had done with Tanya was so precise and exact because with Norma, it was gathering all the pieces, integrating, teaching me how to be a human. This is how you nod your head up and down. This is how you breathe. This is how you sleep. This is how you eat. Um, These are real. Let's connect it all. Okay. So then when Norma passed, by the way, she did pass uh, September 9th of 2020. And Tanya had come into my life a couple of months before through my book. And I had started feeling this need to come into my body now i thought well that's odd i'm already in my body well of course my soul didn't say to me why she just said come into your body and so tiny taught me some yoga stretches through video and i started to do those things and i noticed oh god i don't like this and so this was a part of integration for me was it personalities no but it was integration And my soul said to me, Serena, your body is vibrationally like a piece of wood. And I was like, what? She said, in order for us to keep the body alive, we had to vibrationally turn the volume down so that when you were being raped and brutalized, the impact would be like hitting a block of ice so that your cellular level of your body would be preserved and you wouldn't be damaged and you wouldn't be hurt in the same way. And I was like, whoa. So now we're going to awaken your body up. So this last year has been about awakening my body, coming into the aliveness of me, which has been 
tremendous. Because if you look at interviews last year compared to the interviews now, the level of aliveness and command and awareness within me is profound. So integration is a process of breath, conscious awareness and choice with the energy of compassion. It cannot be done through the choice of I want to integrate this person. I want to integrate this in memory. I hate it. It's awful. Oops. You got to you can't do it from that place. You've got to be in a place of acceptance and stillness with it. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, did I want to hear that my body was like a piece of wood vibrationally? No. I have lost 50 pounds in this last year. Congratulations. I am stronger and more alive than I've ever been. I'm 66 years old and I am so filled with gratitude that I'm alive. It's amazing. I'm sure Robbie would come in handy every now and then though, whenever you're at the gym or something like that, you want that four-year-old energy to get you through, right? Oh, he is here. He is, you know, when when you t- put cream into coffee and it becomes that blended sweet experience of a cup of coffee, that's what I am. Yes. I'm all of the all of the parts in one. And this is, this is where we're going to cut it, but I think it's so fantastic that you have taken, and that was a question that I'd had as well, is your personality. So you were all of these 327 different personalities, and now you're the one. I am Serena, thus the name of your book. Yes. Serena Faith Masterson, I cannot thank you enough. This has been incredible. I cannot wait. We will definitely keep up with your story. Your book, of course, will be linked down in the show notes. Guys, again, I know I recommend a lot of books get this damn book. It is fascinating. It is incredible. Uh, It's just an incredible story. And just like I said, the way it's written is fantastic as well. You did a wonderful job on it. So, And if they go to my website, I will sign the book and mail it to them if they're in the United States. If they're outside the United States, they do need, they can find on my website different countries that will um, sell them the books. Amazon's one of the biggest. Yes, absolutely. And I'll link absolutely your website and a direct Amazon link to your book as well. So definitely you um, signed my copy for me and I'm truly grateful because it was very, very sweet. So thank you. Uh, Serena, I can't thank you enough. Uh, We will definitely keep up with our story. Oh, thank you for your time. Are you kidding me? This has been an honor, a true honor. What an outstanding conversation from the absolutely remarkable Serena Faith Masterson. Now her book, I Am Serena, will of course be linked down in the show notes, guys. So y'all just go down there and click and find that thing. Could not recommend this book more. Uh, An absolutely fascinating read. So uh, as far as this show goes, guys, you can find us uh, down in the show notes also at expandingrealitypodcast.com. The link is down there. And from that link, you can get links to all the socials. We're on all that stuff. So you kids want to go find us, that's where we're at. Uh, Also, if you want to email the show, do so at expandingrealitypodcast at gmail.com or through the website. It doesn't matter. It goes to the same place. Um, Also, my boy Vinny the Saint, this music that you're hearing underneath this, uh, he is linked down in the show notes as well. You'll go check him out. Show him love. It's all about love. Um, Be mindful. Uh, Go out into your week this week and pick up a piece of litter. Uh, Buy somebody a meal or a coffee or even a water, something simple, you know, in line behind you or around you or something like that. Hold the doors open for everybody, male, female, doesn't matter. Just something nice to do, right? This changes the world. This changes the vibration. Uh, Get out of the left-hand lane as well. That's a pain in the ass and everybody knows that. Uh, Also, 
above anything and beyond all of this, guys. Go out into your week this week, and y'all just be good to one another. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time.